try again. Good morning. Good morning. It is not our usual custom, but in order to honor the gospel from the Older Testament, I invite us to stand for the reading from the Hebrew Scriptures. The reading is the beginning and ending of the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all the decrees and the commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, that your days, hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children, and talk about them when you are at home, and when you are away, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. When your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand the Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that was promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good so as to keep us alive, as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God, as the Lord has commanded us, we will be in the right. This text is one of our sacred teachings. I am always grateful for the opportunity to preach in the Lakeshore pulpit. Thank you for the invitation. I am also aware of the responsibility of preaching in this pulpit. I often think that sermons I would hope to preach 
have all in one way or another already been preached in this place. The starting place of the sermon today is the perspective that grandparents, grandmothers, and grandfathers have as their primary function to help grandchildren to remember. Grandparents are an active antidote to the amnesia that grandchildren readily practice. I would also suggest that our society is currently enduring a frightful epidemic of amnesia. Are there grandparents among us who can help us to remember? Of course, some of you will know, and Charlene referred to it in the welcome this morning, some of those of, of you who know me will realize that the real starting place for the sermon today is that I recently myself became a grandparent, nearly seven months ago. It will be seven months on Tuesday. And the lovely Charlie Marie Bellinger sits here on the third row with her parents and her adopted Aunt Karen. So being a grandparent has been on my mind and in the pictures Libby and I have shown you. Grandparenting may be quite personal in reminding grandchildren to put on their shoes before going out to catch lizards or not to chew the electrical cords or not to eat the bark of a tree. Grandparents helping children to remember may also take on a broader significance. Grandparents remember and recite a family's story with its wonders and oddities and embarrassments and jokes, all of which help us in forming our identities. Grandparents tell about aunts and uncles so that grandchildren can come to understand that they are a part of a network that connects and that grandchildren are not alone or forgotten or misplaced. Grandparents remind grandchildren of a family's moral code, hopefully not in an authoritarian way. Grandchildren, though, do inherit sets of expectations in families. Now, I realize that all of those opportunities to remember can go awry. I can remember that Uncle Shaler was a funny man when in fact he was quite dull. Or I can remember that Aunt Olene was polite when she actually was very blunt. I don't think I need to take that further. I think you get the point. At its best, however, grandparents remembering stories and connections and expectations flow into the hope that grandchildren can imbibe a sense of belonging. That is, I think, Paul's point in his expression of thanksgiving for Timothy and his faith read by Ross earlier. And how that faith was cherished and remembered and passed on by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice and now lives in the grandchild Timothy in a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And now Timothy can remember and tell his gospel story of faith. 
The grandparents I knew were my maternal grandparents with the stereotypical South Carolina names of Flossie May and William Vander Walters. I am grateful to remember their practical spirituality and their commitment to the local church as being a central thing in life. They were the kind of faithful folk that people love to have taking care of them and praying for them. And in turn, something of grandparents remembering and passing on to grandchildren the story of the faith is a way to think about what is happening in the book of Deuteronomy, a story of faith centered in the Exodus. In chapter 10, the one who spoke in the bush that burned but that was not consumed says to Moses, Go to Pharaoh in order that I may create signs among the Egyptians and in order that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I have made fools of the Egyptians and what signs I did among them in order that you may know that I am the Lord. This God does signs and wonders so that you may tell your grandchildren and realize that this one, this Yahweh, this one Lord, this one God whom Israel is to love with all they are and have, that is to, that it, and one does that by living a life of integrity and wholeness. And this God makes the Egyptians look silly. Now you have to remember, the Egyptians are the oppressors. And they need to understand, they need to realize that they do not control the life of this immigrant community named Israel. That is the prerogative of but one, the living God. Some of you know it is my custom to emphasize the joys of reading the Older Testament. But I must say that I find Deuteronomy to be a real challenge here. I tend to think of it as a long, long law book. But this perspective on Deuteronomy helps me. It is cast as Moses' last will and testament before Israel to enter the land across the Jordan. So we can see it as the grandparent Moses inviting the children and grandchildren to remember the family's or community's story and where they all fit together in this community and the hopes of how they will live. Israel's theologians and the voice of Moses help the grandchildren to remember. Underlying Deuteronomy is the concern that grandchildren practice amnesia. Remember what I said. Moses says repeatedly, when you come into the land of prosperity, do not forget. It is a land flowing with milk and honey a land with fine houses and cities, with water and wine and olive groves and fine food and prosperity you did not create. Do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget the Lord your God. You remember by living as a community in faithful relationship with God and neighbor. The last paragraph of Deuteronomy 6 tells the story with the grandparent 
helping the generations to remember how the living God of Israel with a mighty hand and great and even awesome signs and wonders brought this community out of the house of oppressive human trafficking and slavery into the land beyond the Jordan to a new life together. But there's a bit more to tell of the story. It goes back even to the midwives, Shifra and Puah, in Exodus 1, who were clever women of faith and who made the Pharaoh, the leader of that world's most powerful military-industrial complex, look foolish when they preserved alive Israel's babies. And it goes back to Moses, who hesitantly took courage and along with brother Aaron and sister Miriam faced down that Pharaoh and all the Egyptian gods. It goes back to this living God who hears the cry of this oppressed, displaced people and comes and brings them to hope. It goes back to the struggle to liberate this immigrant community with signs and wonders and guide them through wilderness to hope. And in a remarkable move of grammar in that last paragraph of Deuteronomy 6, the voice of the grandparent does not say that the Lord brought that generation from Egypt and we continue the story. No, the text says the Lord brought us out of Egypt. We were slaves there. The grandparents and the children and the grandchildren have all now entered the story and can remember it and tell it and live it. The concern behind all this remembering, of course, is that the grandchildren will forget. Forget and you will have no courageous midwives who challenge power. Forget and you will have a world with no burning bush and no holy interruption and no surprise of newness and mystery, but only a narcotic of comfort. Forget and you will have a society with those who are lost and enslaved and no one to protest. Forget, and you will have a settled faith and a settled community incapable of laughing at the brute force of the amnesia that runs roughshod over the cries of need. Forget, and you will have a numbed and private nostalgia that imagines comfortable and oppressive power to be good for all. The grandparent voice in Deuteronomy proclaims that it does not have to be so. Rather, remember and live fully in relationship with the living God in the community of God's people, a life of wholeness and integrity. The book of Deuteronomy recites the history of God's people and does so with a constant eye to the present to today. And so I remind us that today, the faith passed down from Lois and Eunice lived in Timothy. The faith remembered by Moses and Aaron and Miriam lived in generations of faithful prophets and priests and wisdom teachers. 
I would suggest that at times we all function as grandparents and as grandchildren. We all forget and we all help each other to remember. I've enjoyed having the orange ribbon on my car's side mirror this week. It has continued to remind me of Pentecost and the presence of the Spirit. I'll see it and go, oh yes, Pentecost. It continues. Deuteronomy 6 describes continuing to talk about the life of faith and carrying instructions for it on our hands, on our heads, and having it on our doors. These things are to remind the community that we are connected, that we live our faith, that we have a story. Today is Trinity Sunday. Perhaps not one of the holy days that immediately comes to our minds. It is perhaps ironic on Trinity Sunday to read the Shema from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. But maybe the congregation of Israel can help us remember that this one God is in creation, is incarnated in Jesus Christ, and is embodied in the work of the Spirit in Christians and in the church. Lest we forget, Deuteronomy reminds us of the invitation of the grandparent Moses to live fully and calls for that invitation to be in our conversations and in our worship and in our witness in the world. Our story is about caring for God's creation, even in this building, and in the wider world. Our story is about living as disciples of Christ. Our story embraces the reality that we do not control the world, but rather embody the Spirit's hope in an era marked by pain and anxiety. The story helps us remember our hope that God has not left us alone, but has caringly placed us in communities of Christ and has given us the Spirit as our guide. Today, when we are a community in transition, looking ahead and wondering, and we as persons are looking ahead and wondering, I hope as grandparents, children, and grandchildren, we remember that the Lord our God is with us and that we are persuasively invited to embody God's news in this place and in this time, to live in wholeness and integrity, and so continue the story. In the words of Deuteronomy, choose life so that you and your grandchildren may fully live. Amen.